Welcome to the Overflow Podcast. We pray you are encouraged by this message. For more info, notes, or other messages, download the Overflow Church app or visit our website at overflowdfw.com. All right, all right. Good morning, everyone. As you can see, I'm not Josh Brown. Uh, my name is uh, Emlyn Bailey. I've uh, I've been coming to this church for three over three plus years now. I've been uh, on staff at the church for uh, about six months, six seven months now. Uh, I've had an opportunity to share a couple times here with my church family, and it's always such a blessing because. You can go somewhere and preach to people that you don't know, and that's awesome, but to have the opportunity to share the love of God with people that you do life with, that's even better. And so, for me, this is one of the highest honors that I have, is the opportunity to come and share with you this morning. Uh, So, who here remembers when they were 16 years old? Okay, good. I'm not the only one, all right? Uh, the two things I mainly remember about being 16 is number one is I thought I was invincible and number two is I was an idiot (laughs) because I wasn't invincible. Uh, when I was 16 years old, I was going to high school and one day after school, uh, when everybody was leaving, I go and I go to my uh, buddy Eddie and I ask him just a small favor, no big deal, uh, wouldn't have taken him any time to do it. And he's just being, you know, a joker, and he says no. Okay, so what do I do? I jump on the hood of his Ford Explorer, all right? And that would have been fine and dandy until he gassed it. <laughs> so here I am, splayed on the hood of this Explorer, trying to use my fingertips to hold on, and he begins to slow down. And I thought, oh, okay, he's letting me off. So I begin to slide off the fender. And at this point in time, he gasses it and turns it to the left. And I go flying. All right? I land right on this arm, directly on this arm right here. I land, and I kind of roll up into the standing. I said, I'm okay. I'm okay. I'm not okay. I'm not okay. <laughs> Something was definitely wrong. Uh, I thought that I had busted my shoulder out of socket. That's what I thought. Um, I went to the, uh, the dock in the box, you know, the care now place and they took, they took an x-ray and, uh, and the lady comes and, uh, puts the x-ray on the viewing machine. She turns it on, immediately turns it off, says, you got to go to the hospital. Okay. Well, what's going on? You have broken your arm bad, bad. Okay. Yeah. That's just what I wanted to hear. And, uh, so anyway, I go to the hospital, full separation from the top and bottom part of this arm right here. Uh, I was in a cast for about, I was in a cast for about eight months. Uh, most of that time it was belted to my middle section, so I couldn't even move my arm. Let me tell you, that's probably the most painful experience I've ever had in my life. <laughs> that was excruciating. And up until this point in my life, I thought that I didn't realize that there was that much pain in the world. But I think that's how we walk in our Christian walk, too, is that we think that we're invincible. We think that we're a son of God. I'm a child of God. Nothing bad is going to happen to me when the reality of it is, is that there is pain. There is pain. Jesus doesn't say that no trouble will come. In fact, he promises that trouble will come. 
So today we're talking about pain in our life. And I quoted this, I titled this message as the pain-filled life. Because we're all going to experience pain. So when I talk about pain, I'm talking about many different things, okay? Pain can be physical. We, you just heard the story of me breaking my arm, stubbing your toe, biting your, biting your tongue. All that's painful, physical pain. But let me tell you what else is physical pain. Cancer is physical pain. The treatment for cancer is physical pain. Chemo, radiation, that's physical pain. And I'm not trying to preach doubt. That's not what I'm doing. I'm just preaching truth, that that is something that might happen to you in your life. You may have to go through that in your life. But what about emotional pain? Now, we're not talking about the pain of a 13-year-old girl when her boyfriend breaks up with her. I mean, yes, that's emotional pain, but it goes far beyond that. What about loss in your life? Have you ever experienced the emotional pain of loss in your life? That's real pain. It's, it's not physical that's done to you, but you can feel. You can feel it. What about mental pain? Mental pain. What I'm talking about here is not I'm thinking so hard my brain hurts, but stress, anxiety, worry. Have you ever been so stressed out that you just got sick to your stomach? I I have. The, the, The mental pain, that's me. That's me. And another thing that I want to say is Spiritual pain. Do you understand what spiritual pain is? Spiritual pain is saying, where is God in my situation right now? I don't feel God right now. I'm a child of God. I'm saved. I'm covered by the blood. Where is my father right now? Spiritual pain is is the pain of an unfulfilled promise in your life. It's seeing all your friends receiving the things that you've been praying about. That's pain. That is real pain. See, pain is something that we're all going to experience. And if we don't know how to properly deal with that, then that leads to hopelessness. And hopelessness leads to despair. See, you might be in pain but have hope. And what hope says is this. Hope says, I may be in trouble now, but I can see light. I can see light at the end of the tunnel. It might be bad now, but I know that there's an end. You know what despair says? Despair says, I'm in pain now, and I don't ever see my situation being better. I don't ever see anything getting better in my life. That's despair. If you don't know how to deal with your pain before you reach there, I guarantee you despair will crush you. Despair will crush you. So, the theme that Pastor Josh threw out for the summer was, let hope arise. Let hope arise. And that's where I got, that's where I got this, is what causes us to lose hope, and how do we regain it back? Well, we're going to be talking about pain today, and I think that there's no book in the Bible that exemplifies pain as the book of Job. 
Now, it's painful to read. I understand that, but it's also uh, because uh, because uh, this man went through some pain. All right. So if you're not you know if you're not you know up to date on your Old Testament uh, history and everything, Job is what they call a poetic book, a book of poetry. Okay, meaning that not necessary not necessarily literal but there's truth in the metaphor okay so they don't know exactly who wrote job it might have been job himself it might have been moses they don't know exactly when job was written it might have been written uh you know uh, around the time that they they don't know but what we do know is that there's truth in the entire word there's truth in the whole word and although this may be out there when we read this first part of this it's still truthful all right so job chapter one i considered reading job one and two to start us off and i thought i'm not going to put them through that um you can read it on your own bless you if you try if you choose to do that so job chapter one there was a man there was a man in the land of Uz, whose name was job and that man was blameless, blameless and upright, and one who feared God and shunned evil. And seven sons and three daughters were born to him. Also, his possessions were 7,000 sheep, 3,000 camels, 500 yoke of oxen, 500 female donkeys, and a very large household. So this, so that this man was the greatest of all the people of the East. So we know that Job is blessed. Job is blessed. He's got, he's got children. He's got property. He's got wealth. We know that he's blessed. But how is he with God? It says, And his sons would go and feast in their house, each on his appointed day and would send and invite their three sisters to eat and drink with them. So it was when the days of feasting had run their course that Job would send and sanctify them, and he would rise early in the morning and offer burnt offerings according to the number of them all. For Job said, It may be that my sons have sinned and cursed God in their hearts. Thus Job did regularly. So we know that Job was blessed. He had wealth. But we also know that Job was righteous. Job was a man who feared God. Job was a man who uh, understood that he needed to be humble before the Lord, that, that, that he had a fear of the Lord in his heart. So Job was not only blessed, but he was a righteous man. That's us. A lot of us are blessed. We're righteous because of the blood of Jesus Christ. You know? But let's see what happens next to Job. This is where it gets out in, out in the metaphorical. Okay, so just bear with me. Now there was a day when the sons of God came to present themselves before the Lord, and Satan also came among them. I I imagine Satan walking in twirling a cane or something like that, you know? (laughs) Just because he thinks he's so cool, but he's really not. And the Lord said to Satan, from where do you come? So Satan answered the Lord and said, from going to and fro on the earth, and from walking back and forth on it. So Satan was on the earth. He saw what was going on. He's not omnipotent like God, but he does have been around. He can't see. Then the Lord said to Satan, Have you considered my servant Job, 
that there is none like him on the earth, a blameless and upright man, one who fears God and shuns evil. So Satan answered the Lord and said, Does Job fear God for nothing? Have you not made a hedge around him and his household, and around all that he has on every side? You have blessed the work of his hands, and his possessions have increased in the land. But now stretch out your hand and touch all that he has, and he will surely curse you to your face. Satan says the only reason he likes you is because you blessed him. Is the only reason that we like God because we blessed him? Because he blessed us? I say some of us, yes. But the Lord says to Satan, Behold, all that he has in your power, only do not lay a hand on his person. So Satan went out from the presence of the Lord. All right, that's your Bible reading for the day. You're welcome. So, so from there, Satan goes out, and he begins to torment Job. It happens, raiders come to Job's property, and they take all of his donkeys, all of his camel, all of his sheep. And a messenger comes to Job and says, Raiders have just come and taken all of your stuff. You're broke. And so while that's happening, a meteor comes down from the sky and crushes the house where Job's children were feasting. So just after he gets told all of his, all of his uh, stuff is gone, you're broke, another messenger comes and says, You're childless. All of your children are dead. And then we go further on in the story. Satan goes back to the Lord and says, the Lord says, Job's still righteous. Job still fears me. He says, oh, because you've protected his health. And the Lord says, okay. So Satan goes out and curses him from boils, from the head of his, to the crowns of his feet. Boils. It itched so bad that the word says that he grabbed a, a pot shirt, meaning a, a piece of pottery, a, a sharp piece of pottery, to scratch these boils on himself. The only thing Satan left him was his wife, who nagged him. He said, why don't you just curse God and die? It's the only thing that he left him. Can you imagine losing all your money, losing all your family, losing your health? Can you imagine the pain that 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 man was going through at that time? You know, it would be easy to say, Oh, Job stayed steadfast to the Lord through this all. I mean, he initially, he did. He did initially. But as he went on, he began to falter. He began to falter. So, Job suffered all four kinds of pain. Physical pain. Emotional pain. The loss of his family. Mental pain. How am I going to survive? All my wealth is gone. Spiritual pain. He began to question God. He began to say, where is God in this? So we as Christians hear this a lot. Unbelievers say, if your God is so good, why is there pain and suffering in the world? Why is there pain and suffering in the world? Well, I can't give you the apologetic answer to that. Because I don't know. That's above my pay grade, okay? But what I can tell you is this is God does not cause pain. God's wrath on mankind was satisfied on a cross 2,000 years ago. God does not cause our pain. 
But I will tell you this, that God can use our pain. God can use our pain. Romans eight twenty eight says, And we know that all things work together for the good to those who love God and are called according to his purpose. God may not cause our pain, but God can cause good to come out of your pain. If you ever hear anyone saying, oh, I feel like God has afflicted me for a purpose, I would say, I don't agree with that. I don't agree with that. Because because my God is good. My God is good. Well, why isn't there just a pain-free life? Well, it started out as a pain-free life in a garden. And then sin entered the world. And at that point in time, it was no longer pain-free. But I'd say that God uses our pain for purpose. And here's just a couple quick thoughts to you. Is that pain in your life can be an indicator. So when I was 17 years old, I woke up one morning with a, with a sharp pain in my side right there. Felt like I had bad gas and it just continued to get worse and worse throughout the day. By the next day, I went to the hospital and they said, we have to get this appendix out of you right now. It's about to burst. Without the pain, I would have never known that that was about to burst in me. But what about if you're, with, if you're dating someone? I know we have a lot of married people, but we also have single people. If you're dating someone who causes you pain, that's an indicator that that's not a good person for you. If you're, if you're in a situation in life, if you're in a job that brings you mental pain, that you can't deal with it, you've tried to deal with it, you've tried to make it better, better that's an indication that you need to get out of there. Pain is an indicator in our life. If you feel distant from God, that might be an indicator that you need to draw close to God. The word says if we draw close to him, he'll draw close to us. So, Pain can be an instructor in our life. Pain can teach us in our life. When I was a kid, my mom had the eye on on the stove. I was about two, hand on the eye. Mom freaks out. You know, I've, I've hurt myself a lot. I'm kind of accident prone. But, um, but I never put my hand on that eye again, I guarantee you that. <laughs> because pain is an instructor in our life. If we, if we learn that this cycle of behavior is going to bring me pain, then that's teaching us to stop that cycle of behavior in our life. God didn't cause it, but God uses it to teach us. And I'd say this, pain can bring us closer to God. Look, I will never say that sickness is a good thing, that tragedy is a good thing. That loss is a good thing because it's not. But if sickness brings you closer to God, then God used that sickness for good. If tragedy brought you closer to God, then God used that tragedy for good. Anything that draws us closer to God is God using it for good. And Paul, the man who wrote this verse, we know that God works all things together for the good. We read that verse and we gloss over those first Three words. And we know. No, Paul says, and we know. We know. Because I've been through some stuff. 
I've been shipwrecked. I've been flogged. I've been beaten. I've been left for dead, tossed off a cliff. I've been hungry. I've been cold. And I know, I know that God can work those things out for the good. I know. So when you read that, when you read that verse, don't gloss over those first three words. That's the important part of it. I know. I know. So I didn't just come to talk to you about why there is pain. I came to talk to you about how to deal with pain. I want to encourage you. I want to I want to teach you something. And the first thing I, I want to do is I want to give you a little crash course on how, how to help other people deal with their pain, okay? Because you may not be going through pain right now, but I guarantee you know someone who is. I guarantee you at some point in time, you're going to know someone who you're close through who's going through some stuff. So dealing with other people's pain. So let's say, for example... Someone loses a close family member to them. What's the first thing that we tend to do? We call them up and we scripture whip them. I'm guilty. I'm guilty. Trust me, I'm guilty. Oh, it's going to be okay. The Lord is with you. I mean, that's the first thing that we do. That's our go-to. Because we don't know how to properly help people deal with their pain. Well, Jewish tradition has this tradition called sitting Shiva. Okay? This is when a family member dies. The family will sit in their house for seven days, okay? And when people come to visit them, they bring them food, they do all that stuff. The visitors don't speak until they're spoken to. They say quiet until the person who's hurting is ready to talk, So they may come over and sit for hours in silence with that person and just share in their pain. They don't say, oh, I know what you're going through because you don't know what they're going through. I mean, you might have experienced that. We'll talk about that in a second. But you don't know what they're going through. You don't know what the pain inside of them right at that moment is. So when somebody close to you is experiencing pain, I'd say the most important thing you can do is you can cry with them. Is you can weep with them. And my cousin is very close to me. When he passed away, I came to the funeral and his brother was there. And we just hugged each other. We just cried. Didn't say anything. I was lost. I was so lost. I mean, this was way before the Lord. But we just cried together because I couldn't say anything to him. It's his brother. It was my friend, but it was his brother. That's what people need in in that time is they need someone to cry with them. The next thing you can do is you can actually pray. You know, you can actually pray. Not just praying for you. I, I had this thought a long time ago that's really stuck with me. What if we get to the Lord one day and the Lord says, you remember when you told that person you were going to pray for him? What happened? How come, how come it didn't happen? 
I want to teach you something today. If someone calls you and says, will you pray for my sister? She's going through something. You do it right then. You know, you don't say, oh, I'll pray for them tonight. You go, we're going to pray right now. You know, I mean, because that's really doing something. That's really doing something. Not just on Facebook saying, oh, praying for you. And if you say that you're going to pray for somebody, you better do it. I don't, I mean, I, I'm not saying that that's necessarily what's going to happen when you see God, but I'm just saying I wouldn't want that, I wouldn't want to, you know. <laughs> and so the, the last thing that you can do when someone's hurting is you can share your scars. Now, we don't share wounds with hurting people. A scar is a wound that has healed. A wound is something that's fresh, that still hurts. But a scar says, oh, I, I can't imagine what you're going through, but when I lost someone close to me, this is how the Lord comforted me. So remember that. Don't share your wounds. Share your scars. So... I think we can learn some lessons from the book of Job about how to deal with our own pain. Because if you read it, it's lengthy, okay? It's a conversation between Job and his friends is the main part of it, okay? And his, his friends do the first thing. They sit Shiva with him very well. They come and they sit with him and, and they don't speak until Job speaks. But they don't give very good advice. You'll see that. Um, But we can learn some lessons about how to deal with pain in our life from the book of Job. And I'd say if you're going through pain, if you're right in the middle of this, number one, the first thing to do is you have to be open with others and you have to be honest with God. Job 3.26, he says, I am not at ease, nor am I quiet. I have no rest for trouble comes. That's what he says to his friends. He says, I'm not okay. I am not okay. Now, there's a big difference between sharing your pain and throwing a pity party. Sharing your pain means I want comfort. I need someone to help me comfort. Having a pity party means I want people to feel sorry for me. And I'll tell you something. The thing about a pity party is, is you invite everybody and nobody shows up. You got to be open with people. When people say... When you say to somebody, I'm okay and you're not okay, that's, that's a lie. That's falsehood. That's deception. That's sin. I'm not saying that you go around and say to everybody, go, oh, how you doing? Oh, I stubbed my toe. It's hurting to walk, you know. But if you're really hurting, if you're really in pain, and somebody comes to you and say, how you doing? You go, I'm not doing well. My life is overwhelming right now. My job is overwhelming. That's why we're in community. That's why we're here. That's why you're not a lone wolf Christian. That's why God placed you in a place like this. For you to be open with others. So that they can encourage you. Number two. We need to look to our Redeemer in times of pain. We all know that song that says, for I know my Redeemer lives. We all know that song. Do you know that that line comes from the book of Job? In the middle of pain, Job 25 and 26, he says, for I know 
that my Redeemer lives, and he shall stand on the earth. And after my skin is destroyed, this I know, that in all my flesh I shall see God. How many times have you gone through crisis and immediately jump into crisis mode? This is me. I'm like, crisis, crisis mode on, you know? And I immediately begin to do what's in my own power. Immediately begin to think about what I can do to rectify a situation. And I leave the Lord out of it completely. We had this guy come and preach to us. Uh, when I was in Teen Challenge, he came and preached to us. And he kept on, he said, well, what's normal for a child of God? And normal for a child of God is when you're in trouble, is to look to the Lord, to look to your Father. That's normal for a child of God. If you're in trouble, then I guarantee you, the first thing that you need to do is look to the Lord. Be honest with God. Pastor Brooke preached last uh, last Sunday uh, a really great message. I encourage you all to listen to it. I, I went back and listened to it. And she said, the honesty with God is not for God, it's for you. You know, it's for you. So we be open with others and we be honest with God. We look to our Redeemer. And then we understand that God is higher. Okay? Understand that God is higher. The Lord speaks directly to Job in this book. In uh, chapters 38 through 41, he speaks directly to Job. And he uses rhetorical questions. Anyone that has a wife understands what a rhetorical question is. So, so he says to Job, Job's questioning God, questioning his goodness, questioning why he would let this happen to this. And Job says, I mean, God says to Job, where were you when I created the heavens and the earth? Where were you when I hung the stars in the sky? God is higher. His understanding, his perspective is higher. When football teams practice, they put a camera up on a big, high, tall uh, scaffolding because it has a different perspective than what they can see down And they look at that tape and they realize things that they didn't see before. God's perspective is higher than our perspective. God can see things that we can't see. The reason that you might be going through tragedy right now, it might not seem like it makes sense to you, but I guarantee you God sees it in a different way than you do. Isaiah 55, 8 and 9 the Lord says, For my thoughts are not your thoughts, nor my ways your your way nor are your ways my ways. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thought higher than your thoughts. We need to understand that the Lord is way, way, way higher than we are. Way higher than our situation. And the fourth thing is we need to walk in the testimony. I would almost want to rename this point right here. You need to understand God for who he is, okay? And now look at me. Okay, hold on one second. Job 42.5 says, I have heard of you by the hearing of ear, but now my eyes see you. Everybody look up here at me. I I want to illustrate something for you. We might know God as a healer, but we need to know God as a healer. And the only way that you do that is by going through something. The only way that you know God as a healer is to be healed. 
The only way you know God as a provider is for God to show up and provide for you supernaturally. Say, I might know God as a provider. I've read about it. I've heard about it. But I want to know God. So if you're going through something where you need healing and you know healing, great. You know God. But if you don't, if you just know God as a healer, then you need to get with someone who knows God as a healer. If you just know God as a provider, then you need to get with someone who knows God as a provider. And that's how you walk out the testimony of God. That's how you walk it out. That's how you live it out. So, as we're dealing with pain, there's stages that we go through in it. And now, and now, if you're in any one of these stages, and that's as far as you ever get, that's okay. That's okay. I'm not here to say that you need to grow, get past it, because I can't say that to you. I want you to. I want you to, to get past it. But... That is so awful of me to say you need to get past your pain. That's so insensitive of me. The three stages of living with pain, number one is you're trapped by it. As, may, as my wife and I were laying in bed one night talking about this message, she said being trapped by pain is like you're laying under a boulder and you're just allowing it to crush you. It's, You let the enemy tell you things in that time like, I deserve this pain. I did something wrong and this is my punishment. If that's all you ever get to, that's okay. That's okay. Don't feel bad that that's where you're at. That's okay. But I guarantee you that, that you can get through it. You can get through it. You can learn to live with your pain. It's like, you're walking, but you have a limp. I, I'm okay. I'm okay. You know, that's at that point in time that the enemy tells you, well, this is as good as it's ever going to be. You know, yeah, I mean, at least you're walking now. At least you're living your life, but this is as good as it's ever going to be. And that's okay. You can live a full life like that. It's okay. But God can set you free of pain. It says, to be set free of pain, it says that there's a scar there, but it doesn't hinder me. I have a scar where they took my appendix out, but my appendix doesn't hurt me anymore. I mean, it was painful to get over that surgery, but it doesn't hinder me anymore. At this point in time, you begin to tell the enemy something. You begin to tell the enemy, it may have happened to me, but it no longer traps me. It may describe me, but it doesn't define me. Because I'm a new creation. I've got, I'm, I'm through this. I'm through this. You begin to tell the enemy back those lies that he began to say, to say to you. And you begin to be set free of your pain. Now, like I said, if you're at any one of those stages and that's where you're at, that's okay. If that's as far as you'll ever get, that's okay. But let me tell you something. Jesus went through every single bit of pain that we went through. Physical pain. Jesus got 39 lashes with a cat of nine tails. They pulled out his beard. 
They beat his face so you couldn't recognize him. They placed a crown of thorns over his head. They put him on a cross with nails through his wrists. And he stood there and he died of suffocation. Jesus understand. Jesus went through our physical pain. More than we could ever imagine. Jesus went through emotional pain. There, in, the, in the book of John, it says that um, the disciple whom he loved brought his mother to the crucifixion. And Jesus looked at his mother and looked at his disciple and said, that's now your son, son, that's now your mother. The emotional pain of leaving his mother behind, losing his mother. The emotional pain of everyone deserting him in his time of need. Jesus experienced emotional pain, mental pain. Jesus prayed in the Garden of Gethsemane. It says that he was in such anguish that he began to bleed from his forehead. I've been stressed, but I've never been that stressed. I've been worried, but I've never been that worried. And Jesus even experienced spiritual pain. The Son of God experienced spiritual pain. On the cross, he said, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? He didn't have doubt. He just went, was going through pain. Pain. Don't read that as doubt. Read that as pain. But let me tell you something. Jesus understands our pain because he went through it. But because Jesus went through our pain, he also has an answer for it. The word says that they brought him many who were oppressed by demons and he cast out spirits with a word and healed all who were sick. This is to fulfill what was spoken by the prophet Isaiah. He took our illnesses and bore our diseases. Jesus, Jesus has the answer for physical pain. It says, in Psalms twenty two twenty four, it says, For he has not despised or abhorred the afflicted, the affliction of the afflicted, and has not hidden him his face from him, but he has heard when he cried to him. Jesus hears when you're crying to him. He hears when you're crying to him. And it says in John, it says, But the helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to you your remembrance, all that I have said to you. Peace I leave with you, my peace I give to you. He gave us peace. He gave us peace. It says in Philippians, it says, Be anxious about nothing, but in everything with prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God that surpasses all understanding will guard your heart and mind in Christ Jesus. He brought us peace for our mind, for our mental anguish. He brought us peace. It says, come to me, all who, are, who labor are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you, because my burden is easy and my yoke is light. If you're, if you're stressed, he has the answer for stress. His burden is easy. He even has the answer for spiritual pain. It says in Romans, he says, I am convinced that nothing 
can ever separate us from the love of God. Neither death nor life, angels nor demons, neither our fears for today nor worries about tomorrow, not even the powers of hell can separate us from God's love. No power in the sky above or in the earth below. Indeed, nothing in all creation will ever be able to separate us from the love of God that is revealed in Jesus Christ our Lord. And in Hebrews 13, 5, it says, For he himself said, I will never leave nor forsake you. Jesus is the answer for your healing. Jesus is the answer for your pain. Look, let me tell you something. At the end of the book of Job, after Job goes through all this pain, after God says, I'm higher, after his friend come, friends come and give him awful advice, God restores. God restores. He doesn't give him back the same children, but he extends his life and gives him new children. He doesn't give him back the same camels, but he blesses him with wealth twice as much before. He doesn't give back the years that he was afflicted by boils, but he extends his life and gives him greater health. God restored Job. And that is the answer for you today. God can restore you. Hey guys, Pastor Josh here. I want to thank you for tuning into our podcast, whether you do that through our app and listen every week or you're just listening for the first time. Hey, if the podcast is a blessing to you, if you would, you know, mention us on social media at OverflowDFW or hashtag OverflowDFW. We'd love to hear how we're being an encouragement to you. You can also email us at OverflowDFW at gmail.com.